Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're talking about tabletop miniatures games, which Chris promises is not another reason to talk about Car Wars. But you're still probably saying to yourself right now, wasn't episode 84 on miniatures games? Well, it was, but... Those aren't the kind of miniature games we're going to be talking about in this episode, number 259. What we're talking about today are things that requiring that require measuring templates, tools, lasers, and whatnot. Oh, boy. Um, you know, I, I, I It sounds wrote really it well. natural when I read it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it's just you, the best way. You did not. There were a lot of tense changes that I just self-edited. I'm I'm gonna start writing this like a script where there's like mood. I don't actually I don't know how to write a script. But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show: Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wetworth, and the Gift of Gays at Grays Lake, Illinois. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. And sorry, David, uh, for missing you last week, but we still remembered you and we're here. And David did say we were saying his name correctly. However, he didn't say who was saying his name correctly. So I'm going to assume it's me. I don't know if we were saying it differently. I don't remember now. (laughs) I think we're good. Oh, Um, boy. (laughs) But he did mention a game. So he went to Origins for the first convention. He went to Origins. And he said that there was a game that you should check out, Kitty, which is called The Night Cage, which is a co-op tile placement game um, somewhat similar to Carcassonne, but in a co-op variety. So um, It sounds familiar. I'm looking it up right now instead of... Oh, I... That's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> I so uh, Apple is killing me. It's yeah, you know, apples are bad for you. Fletcher, speaking of apples, what'd you do this weekend? Uh what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I went over to Kitty's house and you were there and uh in Sydney and uh we all played we all played a game. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu. For we played for a long time. I don't know what this has to do with apples. <laughs> hey, you could have gone to an apple orchard on Sunday. I don't know. I kind of want to go to an apple orchard. Maybe I'll go to an apple orchard anyway. I'm getting off. The I point. already went apple picking. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not going to talk about the game right here. The game we played was uh, the Call of Cthulhu role playing game, and we played from three to like ten thirty, like three three thirty in the afternoon to like ten thirty in the afternoon. So we played a long, long game. If yeah. We will talk more about the game post-credits, but we did actually get to see each other in person, and, and that was fun and worth talking about. Yeah. And, and, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And Kitty's son now has a new favorite person. Yeah. And like, Fletcher fun. walked into our house, and my son was like, this is my new favorite person. He said nothing, did nothing. But um, yeah. And my son was like, hey, come downstairs and watch Creative Galaxy with me. And Fletcher was like, <laughs> um... No, <laughs> in a very nice way. But yeah, uh, I don't think anyone was expecting you to become Player Three's new favorite human. And he like asked about you at bedtime. And then again, first thing in the morning, he's like, oh, I wish Fletcher stayed here. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Fletcher has some sort of like Pied Piper era aura. That's the word aura about him. Careful where you go with this. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I was I was impressed with the kids because we were able to play a role playing game and like they were present but not disruptive and I was like eh, I'm impressed. Plus, well, thank player you. four is she is just fleeping adorable. She's very very cute. <laughs> yeah, if you imagine, I'm not sure. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, I don't know what I did to make an impression on, on player three, but like I walked in and then immediately he was fixated on me. Immediate. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, come downstairs. And, and Doug and Bunny were already there. Uh-huh. And, and I met player three before. It's been a little while, but he was just like, he just like, you want to come downstairs and watch this? You want to do this thing with me? Hey, let's play. He like came and like grabbed my hand. He's like, come and watch me do this thing. And I was like, uh, okay. He also kept trying to come upstairs to play the daddy game, as he was calling it. <laughs> Took quite a few bribes to keep him um, occupied. But, you know, we managed it. We started playing um, a little bit before dinner time. Then we had a break for dinner. And then we all... Uh, they went to bed, and I was able to actually focus on playing the game. And yes, uh, the daddy game is what uh, Player 3 was calling Call of Cthulhu, because oh. that is what the adult men were playing. So he was that like, I would sense. like to go join the fathers and, and do, what the, <laughs> go, do what the adults are doing. Even though the table was literally split 50-50, male-female. Yes. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to, you know, join me and Sydney and Bunny. He just wanted to hang out with Chris, Fletcher, Doug, and Spencer. Well, it wasn't 50-50. I guess, I guess okay. yeah. From my point of view, I was looking out at three on one side, three on the other. And I, it really was boys on one side, girls on the other. Hmm. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Well, if we, if we draw the line at the corner of the table, it's still from my vantage point. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to actually be someplace in person. And it was not easy to do. <laughs> um, I felt really bad because, so we had Sydney's parents come over and watch the kids and it was kind of a last minute thing. We mentioned it on like Thursday saying, Hey, can you come over on Saturday and like hang out with the kids from two o'clock on? And they're like, well, we're not sure if we can. And then I'm like, um, okay, well, if you can't, let me know. That's fine. It's like, no, we might be able to, but I'm not sure. And I'm like, this is not good. So <laughs> can you give me an answer? <laughs> yeah. So like, we didn't actually get an answer until earlier that day of when they would be over and so that's why we were a little bit late because they showed up at two o'clock like 2 10 i think they showed up and we're like okay thanks bye and just left them with no instructions or anything just like i eh, just keep them alive we're out of here and then didn't come back until almost midnight so but next weekend is game hole con and my niece is coming up and staying with the kids so i don't feel guilty and i get to actually have like two whole nights away and of not feeling guilty she's very good with the kids so but um, let's talk about miniatures games, shall we? And Fletcher, you picked this topic. I did not. Um, <laughs> you inspired me to pick this topic because I texted you guys earlier today and said, "Hey, I don't have any topics today that are you know that I'm like super crazy about. So this is going to be the topic, unless you say otherwise." And I got silence. From both of you. So I'm like, great. They've picked, we're going to talk about miniatures games. Um, but I want to define miniatures game because in episode 84, we were talking about miniatures games like, you know, Simon games and, and games that just have a ton of miniatures in them. Tabletop miniatures games, I think, feel different. And Fletcher, I want to know what you think is the definition for a tabletop miniatures game. Um, my definition? Your definition. Man. I think my definition would just be like any game that uses like I don't know like detailed miniatures. <laughs> so that you move around and like maybe paint. So that's like every single game on Kickstarter right now. So you got to be a little bit more specific. 
Well, you asked for my definition. <laughs> I'm sorry. So do you want me to give the definition that you're fishing for? Oh, I'm just I just want to get in a general idea because ah. of what you guys are like it's one of those things where you know it and you see it. But I guess it's like to I guess to me like a miniature game is, is any game where there's like there's minis that you, you that you may have to assemble and that you can paint. All right. That's about it. Okay. If you're talking about like a tabletop miniature, I think war game might be the the component you're missing here or like um because you could say war war or skirmish game yeah so let's let's throw that into the mix because i think you are correct i implied it i imply it when i think tabletop miniatures game but i think you're but right you're it's only probably implying more it to yourself yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i think <laughs> i think you're right on that so a tabletop miniature skirmish game how does that change things um I don't know. I guess you're just narrowing it down a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. All right, Kitty, so save me. Or save Fletcher. Are... <laughs> save one of us. <laughs> these are games that are are played without a board. You usually buy your army components. So you don't just buy a box that has everything you need to play. You buy different kinds of troops and armies, ships, whatever it is, that then you create your army out of that you are playing with. And you use measuring tools either a literal measuring tape ruler or some of them have their own like proprietary measuring devices that come with their game um and that is how you are moving over an actual tabletop surface not a gridded board i would agree 90 percent of the time that is exactly what i would think of a tabletop miniatures skirmish game and so the one, so Fletcher, you were taking a look, and the reason why this, um, I keep blaming you for this, is you're taking a look <laughs> at Warhammer. You're thinking of getting into Warhammer, you know, picking it up. Um, your friend, if I understand, your friend plays it, you've been interested in it, but you have not played it, right? I have not played it, no. I think I may have played it, like, maybe way, way back in the day, like 20 years ago, 25 years ago, because I had another friend back then that was into it, but... It's been a long, long time. So what is drawing you to this game? <clears throat> it's really popular. It seems like it can be fun. Um, they have, I don't know, they have like this kind of like dedicated hardcore community. And it's just a game that I don't really know anything about. And it's been around for a long, long time. So there must be like, you know, some there there. Got to be a reason for it. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a reason for it. I'll dip my toes in, you know. I did the whole, you know, Magic the Gathering thing for a little while. You got to experiment. Kitty, have you played any of these types of games? Nope. Have you ever been interested in any of these types of games? Nope. At all? No. Just, I have absolutely zero interest in this. Um, my brother was very briefly into this, and I enjoyed helping him assemble and paint miniatures. And that is the only interest I have in this kind of game. I don't like one-on-one dueling games in general and especially ones where i have to spend lots and lots of money (laughs) (laughs) it's like two of my least favorite parts of gaming intersect at this middle point um i'm i would be much more likely to just like can i build dioramas out of these things and honestly for a lot of these things you can't right Mm -hmm. yeah that would be my enjoyment level i don't want to play i don't want people touching my things I just want to to play with miniatures. Yeah. And this is why we've gone 259 episodes without talking about these games, even though in my childhood, these were some of my favorite kinds of games. You know, building armies, statting things out, pouring over spreadsheets, 
statistics, like like all of this stuff was just I loved it. I was a nerd. I didn't date till college and actually even late in college. But <laughs> I I had my own like you know passion for these types of games. And as I got older, I'm like, I just don't have the time to invest in these things. But I still look at them from time to time. There'll be games that pop up where I'm like, okay, this looks interesting to me. X-Wing is probably the last one that I'm like, oh, there's a starter box. This is FFG. And it's Star Wars. And all of these things are cool. The models are pre-painted. It's, you know, Starship Battles. This looks really fun. I got the starter box. I learned the rules. I think I played like half a game against myself just to kind of get an idea for the rule set. And it is a really cool game. It has custom dice. It has templates for measurement. So you you lay, it'll have different types of curves and, you know, essentially different maneuver templates that you put down and you put it at the front of the ship and then you move the ship until it's the back of it's hitting the template. And that's how you move around the board. You have secret orders that you're saying. So all of your maneuvers are essentially simultaneous. So you're like, okay, I'm going to make a hard left turn. If they make a hard left turn, we're going to crash into each other, but I don't know what they're going to do until we both reveal and then you know, perform our movements. And it was super thematic, but still, I'm like, this is still above my head, um, above my head, over my head, more than I wanted to get into. And it was crazy expensive because you couldn't buy just a X-Wing. And now I have an X-Wing. You needed a wing of them. So you needed five X-Wings. I and believe it's a squadron. Squadron Let's of not them. be ridiculous. <laughs> it's just so, and you needed to buy all these miniatures and you needed to own the miniatures and own the cards to be competitive mm-hmm. um, or at least to compete in like organized play events and stuff. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't invest in this. And the ships are coming out so fast. And then Star Wars also has Armada, which looks identical. They look like they're the same game. They're completely different games, but they look like they're the same. X-Wing is ship on ship. Armada is fleet on fleet. So where X-Wing, you have like small squads. Armada, you have giant fleets. And you have ships that are as big as your table in some cases, the extreme cases. Um, Which is crazy, crazy cool, but also crazy pricey to invest in this. And you have to buy certain models just to get certain cards. Because you don't really want the model. You just want the card because there's a particular pilot in in that box that you really want to put in your X-Wing. Whew. So wait, you're telling me you're not interested in this? <laughs> <laughs> Fletcher, is is that something that you like cost aside? <clears throat> like an X-Wing squad battle game. Does that seem like interesting to you? It does. Yeah. In in the same way that Warhammer seems interesting to me too. Like the only tabletop miniature game that I've played that's like this, I think I mentioned it before, but it was back in college. Um I spent like summer, maybe a year or so like playing this game that's called pirates of the spanish main <clears throat> oh yeah we talked about this these, before yeah you, you buy these packs of cards and they had like these punch out ships that you would actually assemble in them and it was kind of like uh you know that slot machine mechanic you don't exactly know what you're going to get in these packs of cards and you would assemble these ships and they would have like captains and the st- ships would have different stats and you'd play it on just a big expansive table and the measuring tool that you would use, every pack would come with this card and it was like a credit card size card and the ships would be like, this can do two long moves in a short move in a short length. So it'd be like the long end, end of the card, like twice and then one short end of the card. Um, and I played that with my friends for, you know, about a year until I guess everybody kind of got bored of it or something. 
These ships exactly are sure so happened, cool. But we stopped playing it for some reason. But it was but it was a lot of fun. So and that's the type of thing and especially like what year is this in your like the nineties <clears throat> or twenties? No, I was in the college. Uh, so probably around two thousand six or seven. Okay. Um, and these games have always existed. Like they actually predate. They predate role playing yep, games. They're they predate one of the board games. earlier games. Yeah, and they yeah. used to be much more kind of historical themed. It seems like uh, John has some some Pirates of the Spanish Main cards here. <laughs> so that's what I used to think of. Like, because as a kid, I was vaguely familiar with these things existing, and it was much more like. Revolutionary War, Civil War kind of setups where you had like human troops, like, and Risk was like the dumbed down version of like the real games. Yes. Yeah. And, and they've never gone away. Like, there's always been mm-hmm. a, They're still around. a spot for them. Um, and you can still find those war games. Like, you know, the term chit, C H I T, is essentially a. <laughs> I, I want to say quarter inch by quarter inch, but I think it's more half inch by half inch typically with little war game stats on them that you're moving around these giant hex grids. And these games, you still find at any given point, you can find one on Kickstarter, a new war game based on like tiny little square chits and uh, hex maps. So and what one of the things like I 90% agreed with your definition and I even noted it here is I would basically define this as... Miniature games tend to have measurement tools. They're freeform movement, typically. But the hex grid is a very viable alternative to freeform movement. Um, but they would still consider them miniatures game. Now, when you go back to war games, like cardboard chess, those aren't miniatures games anymore. They're they're more along what you were saying, Kitty, of their, their tabletop skirmish games or war games. Mm-hmm. And you don't need the miniatures, but the miniatures have kind of replaced all those tiny little pieces of cardboard. But what I'm getting at essentially is there are different ways that you can play this. One of the most common or popular of the tabletop miniature games is Hero Clicks, which started out as Mage Wars, uh, which is a fantasy version from, uh, well, fan- the fantasy version of what Hero Clicks was derived from um, that had all the stats in the base of the figure. So when you took damage, you twist the bottom of the figure and that's how you took you know, your damage and it would change your abilities as you took damage. And Hero Clicks, very popular, DC and Marvel, I'm pretty sure they have both and they probably have others by now too. Um, the, the way that that model worked is random packs. It was essentially magic cards, but with figures. So you'd have some rare figures, some common figures, and you'd open these up. And even like if you got Spider-Man, you could get the common version of Spider-Man or you get the rare version of Spider-Man. So you could still play Spider-Man if you wanted to. Um, John mentions blind boosters. Um, so you could still get, you could always play Spider-Man, but you may not be playing the best Spider-Man because the best Spider-Man is rare and has these other abilities that your knockoff Spider-Man doesn't have. Um, so it's, it made it very simple to get into though, because they actually use a grid. And so when you're moving, you're moving around on a grid. So you don't have to measure taking that intimidation factor away. You don't have to really think a lot about building your army or squad to start with, because pick the characters you want to play with and their points are going to add up to some agreed upon point value. And the stats are on the base, making it very simple to like track those things. It just, it made it, it streamlined this type of game and is still wildly successful. 
So you said something in there that completely distracted me from the point you were trying to make, which is you <laughs> called measuring intimidating. And I wonder if it's not that it's intimidating, it's that it's subjective. Yes. There, There is a little bit of like, oh, well, was that exactly where you started? How are you holding it? There, there's a lot of like, we're all looking at this and agreeing on it, whereas um, squares, hexes, whatever it is, you can, everyone can count them. You did one, yep. two, three, you know, and like you might, even with the hex grid, you don't even get to argue diagonals that you get to do with a square map. So there, it is just, this is how it works. We've counted it. They, you know, there's less chances for disagreement with that system. Yep. And Terrence mentions fiddly. Um, I oh, would yeah. 100% <laughs> agree. Freeform movement is super fiddly. Like the laser pointer that is like a standard tool these days to say, do I have line of sight? I'm going to hide this laser, you know, behind the, the right ear of my model and point at your model. And if it, I can hit the laser, can hit your model, then I hit. Um, Star Wars Legion, I think it's Legion, um, or Legionnaire? Legion, I think it's Legion. That's the type of targeting rules they have. And this is another Fantasy Flight game. Now, Star Wars Legion is unpainted miniatures that you have to cut off of sprues and put together, um, which is... That's like old, not, not really old school because Warhammer does it, but it's Warhammer style. That mm-hmm. is a big investment for Fantasy Flight to put a game out like that under the Star Wars name and for it to become popular. That to me was crazy. Like I, that was mind boggling that this game is still putting out so much stuff. But then again, so is Warhammer. So if you like that, great. But yeah, the targeting in Legion is if you can see any part of the model, you can target it. And you have this terrain and these like 3D terrain elements all over the place that like actually matters. Well, I can see you through this window and out the other side, and therefore I can target your miniature. Is it is so fiddly. It is so exact and not exact at the same time. And I think that that's why I think it's intimidating. Oh yeah, there's so much room for interpretation, and you have to be very confident to put forward your interpretation. And as long as that's something you enjoy, these games seem like great. Yeah. Like I love, like, I don't know. To me, it just sounds like I love conflict. (laughs) If that's your thing, great. (laughs) There's so much conflict in these games. But to me, I'm like, why? (laughs) If I want conflict, I I can hang out with my siblings and I don't have to spend (laughs) any money on it. I mean, I haven't played any any of these like you know more hardcore games, but when I was playing Pirates of the Spanish Main, like the freeform movement, it didn't seem like that big a deal, really. It wasn't. I mean, yeah, you had like this little measuring device, but you know, you would just measure and then you would move. And maybe it's because I was playing with friends and people that I knew, but it was never really a big deal targeting or any of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would. It is with these. Hardcore games. Yep, and I would agree. So things like um, Gaslands and X-Wing, both of those have measuring templates where you're moving the the vehicle along a set path. Those are pretty simple to lay down. It's like, all right, this is the path it follows, and this is where it goes. And you can just let that go. The freeform movement um, where you're measuring things, you know, you're supposed to be able to go with a straight angle. That's not an angle. You're supposed to be able to go straight, and maybe you're at like a three-degree angle, does that make a difference? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But if you're playing with friends, that's fine. The problem is when these games get officially competitive. Mm-hmm. When you're in a tournament and, wait a minute, this 
this little, you know, literally the size of, you know, a piece of cardstock. If I'm touching your base, this happens. And if I'm not, this happens. Those things can really like change the game and create this uncomfortable fiddliness that I don't know that I want to play with strangers. I want to play with people that like, okay, yes, I'm close enough or no, I definitely didn't like where the, the game, there's nothing on the line. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would, I would For, say that's intimidating is when you're using measuring tools like that, there is just, just room for, eh. but if you're using a grid or hexes, there isn't, I can move three spaces. Boom, boom, boom. I'm there. Would you be down for playing a game like this, Chris? Um, I like love the, I love these games. So John mentioned early on <laughs> that the game, I, the, the word I was looking for for the fiddliness was fun. And I, I do. <laughs> I, I, I love, like, again, I can't really commit the time and money necessary to play most of these games today. Um, and we'll get into a few that are just completely almost free. There's there's a few that are like super, super cheap. And then there's some that are crazy, crazy expensive. So it's not just money. It's a lot of it is time, uh, space, and you have to have someone else that is into the game an equivalent amount of you, plus yeah. or minus a little bit. Because it's hard to really be into one of these games and not have anyone to play it with, even though most of these games, 90% of your time is spent outside of the game. It's the meta of the game that you're spending a lot of. I was just going to say that because, yeah, the the thing about these games is not just the time it takes to get them on the table, which is not insignificant. It is the time spent creating your army, armada, whatever you want to, you know, create to play these games. You have to spend like as much or more time outside of the game, putting in the effort to get what you want, put it together. You know, if you want to paint it, that's even more time consuming. There's so much. You can put as much time into these games as you like have. Like they yeah. they seem like an infinite time suck of like as much as I want to give this game, it will take from me. <laughs> well, and that's why I, I, think- I feel like go ahead. Yeah, like ha- half of half of the fun of these games, like maybe if you're into it, is like <laughs> is the whole model building fun? aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I know well, that a lot um, of people love, love, love painting and assembling and making their miniatures look really polished. And I get it. It's really cool. I enjoy making my D&D miniatures, but I have to create one miniature per campaign, not hundreds of miniatures. And so I don't know, maybe it's just like the perfectionist in me is like I can't I can't get into it because I don't have the time to do it the, to the degree I would want to. Well, and that's why X-Wing and uh, HeroClix, I think, gained popularity very quickly, mm-hmm. is it removed the assembly and painting from the equation. I can just build a team and then play. And with X-Wing, you're in space, so there's very few obstacles. There's some asteroids and stuff that you can throw in there if you want to, but basically it's just open space. And with HeroClix, you're using maps that have everything marked on them as to whether or not they're blocking line of sight or not. So you don't have to worry about all of that extra stuff. But things like Legion, Star Wars Legion, this is FFG's attempt to say, but some people really do like that aspect of the hobby. So we're going to provide you a way of doing that. And Warhammer, so Warhammer sort of, they've gotten actually pretty good at making it 
easier for people to get into. So 40K and Age of Sigmar are the two main Warhammer ones, if I understand correctly. 40, 40K is the future, and Age of Sigmar is the fantasy version. And when you buy these miniatures, they are assembly. You're going to you're gonna have to assemble them. You're going to glue them. You're going to paint them. Um, to be tournament- I heard that they're, they're like pushed to fit, though. I don't think you need to like glue anything. Some of them. Some of them. So all those shades Most of the new stuff, ones are, yeah. I think, are pushed to fit. Yeah, all the shade fire stuff is pushed to fit. And I think the starter sets are pushed to fit. So if you just get a two-player starter, they're pushed to fit. So you don't need any glue for that, although people still tend to glue. But honestly, you do not need glue. The, the push-to-fit stuff works really, really well. Um, but when you get into the you know other army sets, those ones tend to be more, okay, now you need to glue these together, assemble them. Um, there may even be optional hands and weapons and stuff that you can put on them. But what a Warhammer has done with that push-to-fit model is it makes it easier to get into. And if you want to be tournament legal, um, I don't think organized play matters at most levels, but tournament legal, your miniatures must be painted with three different colors. So you can, I had a friend who literally Napoleon ice creamed, dipped her models. It's like, there's three different colors here. So <laughs> dipped it like solid blue and then a third of the way red and a third of the way yellow. And we had a red, yellow, blue model of three different colors in stripes on the table. And, but it's tournament legal that way. Um, but the idea is you base it, you have a secondary color and then you have an accent color, which makes it really easy to paint these and make them legal. And they look pretty good because the models start out really, really good. But it's still so much to get into. And when you're getting into something like Warhammer, you have to understand you cannot collect it all. You're not, you can't do that. You have to decide on the faction you like and invest in that faction, get your army, invest the time in that army. And that's the army you're going to play over and over. I can't do that. I love playing different things all the time. Warhammer's not the game for me. Fletcher, thoughts on that? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know enough about the game, but like, yes, probably you are correct. Like you, you invest in a certain army and that is your army. Though my friend who is into it is saying, well, he says that, um, you get, you can, you buy a certain faction, but each faction has a bunch of different rule books that can go (laughs) (laughs) with your faction. So you can say, so your models are the same, but you're saying, but you're, but you play like a different, I don't know. You know, a different sect faction of within that faction, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So it changes, it changes how your pieces work. And these are all legal. So you can, you can change everything about, uh, about your army by swapping out the rule book, essentially. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, when you're looking at Warhammer, if you're trying to get into that game, is if you go to a games workshop store, A, they'll be very friendly. So just ask them and they will talk you through it and your eyes will glaze over pretty quickly. (laughs) But there are so many different books and manuals and all of these things are rules to the game, but you don't need them all. You just need the rules for your particular faction. And, but knowing which one to grab and like, well, how do I, where do you even begin is tricky. So you, you start with the starter set is essentially what you do, which will give you two factions and some starter rules for those factions. And you kind of dive in from there. Um, but yeah, it's tricky. Now, some people are mentioning in chat Shadespire um, for Warhammer specifically. I do not consider Shadespire in this category of games for a number of reasons. It doesn't feel like it is the first reason. Yes, there's push-to-fit <laughs> models. Yes, you can paint them. But it doesn't feel like a tabletop skirmish game. It feels like a board game skirmish game. You put your big hexes out there, your 
all your powers and your goals are basically a deck that you build and you're moving around the map making tactical choices and after three rounds whoever has the most points wins it feels to me like a skirmish board board game not a tabletop miniatures game but if you just want to get into the universe i think shadespire is a great entry point because it's super easy to um at best you might be able to call shadespire a gateway into the tabletop miniatures genre especially into the warhammer genre and all of the shades by our factions have stats for age of sigmar um at least when i was playing it you could take all of those miniatures and convert them directly to age of sigmar um units so you you already had the units and they are put together and painted and whatever you were doing with them and now you could just say okay losing the grid well the hex map and now let's just fight at each other i don't know i would play this with you fletcher i would um I just I, well, so I have a proposal. I'm thinking that I buy you the starter set, and then we get together <laughs> and play it. And you can keep it at your place because I don't have space for it. Yeah, and, I was gonna say know, that was the thing we were discussing. Is Fletcher's gonna have to get a second apartment to keep just Warhammer things, and if he gets into this, <laughs> he does not have space in his current home for literally anything. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, yes. we're really excited. I'm slowly being pushed out the door. <laughs> the tabletop game talk studio slash Fletcher's Warhammer house. I'm, I'm ready for I'm it. For I'm ready it. for Chris yep. to invest. Getting a downtown apartment where we can all meet up at. Um, but yes, I would do that if you if you if suddenly the starter set for Warhammer. Per, honestly, I think I would like Age of Sigmar better than 40k because I like the fantasy stuff more than the future stuff. But I'm actually fine with either. If it showed up at my house, I'd put them together. Um, depending on how many miniatures there were, I would paint them. Uh, at the very least, I will prime them into player colors so that, you know, they are distinguishable. Uh, but yeah, I would do that, presumably. Okay. I'm actually going to ask, consider. I'm asking chat right now, is the starter set easy to get into? Is it worth getting into? Is that where you would recommend people start? I'm, I'm getting some nods and I'm getting some non-committal nods. Like, it's fine. It's probably the place to start because it literally (laughs) says starter set. From Uh, what I'm getting from the chat, the the wishy-washy reaction, my my interpretation would be it's not a bad place to start, but there might be other good places to start as well. So Eric mentions Kill Team, which is another (laughs) which is another Warhammer. uh, Yes, it came out recently. Yeah, and I. And that's another thing about Warhammer in general. It's like, wait a minute. It's all Warhammer, but I think there's seven different games, and I'm not sure which is what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and, and Eric is We should have had Eric like, it's come bigger, on as bigger. a guest during Yeah. I think Kill Team is like, is like a set, like more of like a table, like a board, not a board game, but like a tabletop game that's like a, a skirmish game. Yeah. Where you pick... I feel like different things and it's like set. If you guys are interested in this topic, we'll have to have Eric and John come from the chat and correct everything that we have gotten wrong because we are not these people. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go to the other extreme. Um, So we're talking about Warhammer, super expensive. Let's now talk about super cheap. And these are games that come from one of Kitty's favorite companies, Osprey Games. Yes. 
And there are two of them. The one that we've talked about, I've mentioned a few times, is Gaslands. And mm-hmm. Gaslands is essentially a rule book. That's the only thing Osprey sells for Gaslands, is a rule book. And the way that the rules are written is you're going to roll D6s. So you need six-sided dice, which presumably you have. And you're going to use Hot Wheel cars or anything of that scale. Matchbox works fine, too. And the templates, the move templates, are very similar to what you would find in X-Wing, where they have different curves and straights and lengths and those types of things. Um, each one's a little different based on how fast your car is going. It'll change what templates you're allowed to use. And that's that's basically it. You're going to cut these templates out. It's print and play. You're going to roll dice, and you're good to go. Everything everything physical about Gaslands is all third-party stuff. You go to Etsy and search Gaslands, and you're going to find all kinds of, you know, basically the dice, so they're not D6s looking up on a table. They'll be custom dice. You're going to find acrylic measuring templates. You're going to find stuff to make the game look like it's an actual game that's meant to be played. Um, you're going to find models. Um, Eric's holding up a model of, like, a Gasland model. And so there's a ton of stuff you can get for this that is all third-party stuff, but it's all just optional. You can play this game with D6s and a piece of paper, and and you're, you know, old Hot Wheel cars that you can get for a dollar at basically any store. Uh, just get some Happy Meals at the right time of year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's super, super simple to get into. Now, there's a lot of extra rules that they've added to it over the time. And right now, the definitive book is Gaslands Refueled, uh, which has a ton of rules in it. So I don't know that that's where I would start because when I got this book, I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is like a 300-page book. Like, I thought Gaslands was supposed to be simple. I don't know how this is simple, but it's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be easy to play. Everything you play, all your stats are on like a a three by five note card. Uh, So there's, and it's fast and easy to play the game. The other one that Osprey has is called Frostgrave. And there's actually a Stargrave 2, I think. Um, These two are, Frostgrave is a fantasy miniatures game. And Stargrave is a sci-fi miniatures game. And again, you just play with what you already have. You have board games with miniatures in it. Just plop them down. Use those miniatures. Here's how you give them stats. Here's how you roll the dice. So these two slash three games are just books that, you know, within a few dozen pages, you have yourself a full-fledged miniatures game without having to buy all of the extra plastic that goes along with it. Now, Fletcher, have you heard of any of the... I know I've mentioned Gaslands, but I've never gone into detail what it is. Like, this type of system, this type of thing, is this say, oh, wait, this might be a a more interesting thing for me to get into, or eh, it doesn't feel as substantial, and maybe I'm not as interested. I'm just curious what, what your opinion is on this. Um, so like you said, I've heard you talk about Gaslands, but I don't really know much about these. Uh, it sounds interesting. I mean, right now I'm just kind of like on the fringes, right? Like I played the most <laughs> basic of basic of these tabletop miniature games. So, and I guess I'm, I'm only hurting myself by like, let's dive into Warhammer 40. <laughs> um, and I have no one to blame but myself if, you know, if that goes poorly. Um, but I'm up for any of these. I just don't have a you know much experience in these kind of like sprawling games. So I think you know you have something though that is kind of critical to I think really getting into these games, and that is someone who you can play with. You know, you have a friend who's into yeah. it too, <laughs> and that is I cannot state enough. Very important, I think, for playing these games is having someone who wants to play with you, who wants to make a similar investment to you, and who is nearby and you have fun playing with. Um, without that, it seems 
much, much harder to get into this kind of game. I would. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it definitely does. Which is why. Not impossible. If people are really dedicated, you will find a way to play. You There are, with the internet, I'm sure there are a million ways to meet up with people who are interested in these games. But I think that you get, like, pulled into what your friends are into much more easily than you get out there and discover for yourself. Yeah. But I yeah. I do think so that the friend D&D. is a gateway. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Well, and Terrence and Terrence mentions this is why organized play is so important for these kinds of games. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know of organized play for uh Gaslands or Frostgrave. I know I've seen the books in almost every hobby store in some way or another, but I've never seen like an actual event. Um but again, the last 2 years has been you know, the plague. There have been no so, events. <laughs> yeah. But organized play is really, it's key to this stuff or mm-hmm. a strong community. And I think Gaslands gets a strong community around it because it is so cheap and because the hobby of building out, like tricking out Hot Wheels cars is just yeah. fun to post pictures of. Like that builds momentum. Now, when you're doing something like Warhammer, posting pictures of your painted miniatures can be fun. But as soon as you start comparing them with, like, the professionals out there, you're like, I suck. Why am I even bothering playing this game? Like, you <laughs> – it's it's really intimidating to see some of these amazing things. But anyone can trick out a Hot Wheels car and make it look cool, and there's no other car like it out there. So there's nothing to compare it to. And you're just like, oh, wow, I made this cool thing, and it's unique to me. But – so there's another one I want to mention. Oh, there's a few others um, before I get to the last two I want to kind of cap off as great starting points for these kinds of games. Uh, Song of Ice and Fire. This is Simon's attempt to get into the tabletop miniature skirmish game. And this is Game of Thrones all-out army war game. And it's Simon, so there's it's all miniatures. But the miniatures are... Oh, I don't know what the scale is, but half of like a normal or actually quarter of a normal size one inch miniature. So I guess it's almost quarter inch scale and everything goes in racks and you're moving these things around. And there are, I want to say literally over a hundred different factions and expansions that you can get for this game. When this, they first announced this, I want to say four years ago now, I'm like, what are they doing? How are they even coming close to trying to get into this crazy niche market? And now I look and I'm like, there is so much product for this game. It has to be doing well someplace. And I've seen this at conventions. I've seen it, you know, it's been run at a number of different conventions I've been at. And so people love it, but it's just another one out there where that IP allows you to drive these huge army rules. And you guys are Googling it right now, I can tell. I am. I need a banana (laughs) for scale. I cannot tell. (laughs) Banana for scale. Is that not These a look universal like smaller thing? pieces? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is there's it? No, there's no assembly. Yeah. Shut up and sit down does um, a, a pair for scale. Yes. But everything is pre-assembled. Um, they're little, but they're all pre-assembled. Pre-assembled, unpainted, tiny uh, miniatures, essentially. Um, and if you just search for Song of Ice and Fire, you're not going to find <laughs> it. But if you find it, search for miniature size comparison just popped right up. So you can you can find that and you can kind of see the differences of these models um, against full size models. I guess they're more like you know half size, but that's so another I typed, one. Um, banana four into Google just to see if I was making this up, and uh, the top three results are pretty great here. It is bananas for dogs, banana for scale. So I'm not insane. Google is backing <laughs> yep. me up here, and then banana oh, I've heard of it for diarrhea. 
<laughs> okay. so, so there you go. That's what Google has to say about bananas for. Well, Google doesn't lie. Um, speaking of diarrhea, let's talk about necromults. <laughs> <laughs> what, I don't know the about this game, but it's a great segue. The segue is is, is apt. Trust me. Um, so Necromold is a game that's now fulfilling on Kickstarter. And I first saw it at Gamehole Con, the last Gamehole Con I was at. Terrence actually introduced me to this game. Um, introduced me to the guy who uh, was showing the game at the show. And this is a tabletop miniatures game. So measuring tools and and all, but your army is create created with play-doh. And you take the play-doh and you put oh, it in these yeah. books and you and you smash the books together and then you open it up and a model comes out. So you don't have a number of points to spend on your army. You have a number of ounces of play-doh to spend on your army. And they call it uh something clay. It's not play-doh, but you know what I mean. Uh which is Brilliant. There's also three levels of rules. There's like the family level of rules where it's just like go around, roll dice and smash things. And when you smash, when when you kill something, you actually smash it with a ring that leaves your emblem in the smashed Play-Doh that stays on the board. So you're moving Wait, around. What's that like old like Parker Brothers game that had, it was like a similar mechanic. You would like squash these bugs. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It I sounds it's called, familiar. Like, splat or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like maybe Splat. I'm going to Google it. Keep keep going. Splat is what Courtney gold. says. Yep. Yep. So, and yeah, so this this is, you can get this now. Like, you can actually go to necromolds.com. That's um, necromolds, as it, as it sounds. And you can order this. Tom Vassell recently reviewed this and gave it an excellent. Um, he played it with his family, and he's like, this game is a miniatures game. It's a relatively basic game, but the stats are there, and you can, you know, you can build armies and, you know, choose your combinations of things and you're rolling dice, but it's just so much fun to play. And it's, you can literally get five-year-old and six-year-olds into the game and they, they can play on those family rule sets and be playing a miniatures game where then you will, you know, eventually by the time they hit nine, we'll be fully into Warhammer and it's all the end. But um, it's just something to think about. Like, I I have this game now. I have not yet. I've made some molds with it, but I have not yet played it. And I really can't wait to play it. It's just... Wait, you have this game? I have it. Oh, yeah. I backed it. I backed it. I went all in on it. I have all of the stuffs. And it's a really, really cool looking game. So that's Necromodes. Like I said, this game looks ridiculous. I, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. And like I said, this these games are things that I love. Like I love these kinds of games. And when I can find something that is easy to get into. And that's why I got into Shadespire for so long, because it's super easy to get into. It satisfied this itch without actually being full-on tabletop. Um, Mage Wars, the predecessor to Hero Clicks, I was into that for quite some time. But their distribution model of random booster packs just doesn't really work for my need to have everything. Um, super, very, super expensive. And so I did not get into the hero clicks when it moved over. And actually, Sydney has played like when she was eleven or twelve. Mage Knight was the night, or sorry, I keep, keep saying Mage Wars. I mean Mage Knight. Um, Mage Knight was the game that she played. Like she would go to the game store and play Mage Light against a bunch of old guys, and she had her army. And you know, because it was one of those games that was very easy to get into, i.e., hero clicks. Lastly. Maybe not lastly, but probably lastly, I want to bring up, well, second to lastly, I'm going to, I'm going to mention a couple other games that I'm just going to rattle off. And let's see. I mentioned Armada, um, Battletech 
I love Battletech. I really wish I own everything, not everything, but all the modern Battletech. I own all the books. I have the starter box. Every single time I open it, I'm just like, it hasn't changed since the 80s. And I can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't get into the modern Battletech because it's still the classic Battletech. If Battletech had a reworking the same way that Car Wars did, that would be my dream game. Like that's that's what I want to see in the world. Maybe. Is it a mech game? Battletech is a mech game. And it's a mech game where you get to customize every aspect of your mech. Your ton you know, basically you get a certain amount of tons that you get to create a squad with and you have mechs that are light and fast or heavy and armored and you have all kinds of different weapons and different you know ways of targeting and you have it's just there's so much that you can do in that game and i remember playing this game for like we just played it nonstop for an entire two years of my early college like i could not get enough of this game um but i can't get back into it because i look at it and i'm just like uh, there's hit tables and you're filling in dots for armor and sheets. And it's, I just, I love this game. I love it so much, but this is why we'll talk about car wars in a second, but I do also want to mention blood bowl as another um, uh, games workshop game, which is a little less intimidating to get into because you're playing on, I guess it's a grid, but it's not really, it's a football field. Um, but you're still push fitting the models together and need to paint and assemble things. Uh, but I hear really good things about it. I owned it. I gave it away. I never got a chance to play it. Car Wars, sixth edition. Have to talk about that. I, I went 50 some minutes without talking about it though. Um, <laughs> and the reason you're coming over to play it on the sixth, I think, or coming, coming up is because this game to me, like Necromolds, um, and it sounds funny to compare these two things, but they really do kind of compare well, are great entry-level games into this type of gaming. Car Wars, you build your car from picking cards from a deck. And as long as the points add up to a relatively small number, say 16, you're done. There's your car. All good. Your movement is a single movement key. It's it's you know two car lengths long, and it allows you to move forward and turn. That's all it does. And the dice are... There are no numbers on them. They're all symbol-based, um, very similar to like X-Wing, where you just look and you go and you play. And it's so easy to get into, but it's still a full-on measurement game with terrain and obstacles and collision rules and all of those things. But they're all very streamlined, except for targeting, which is absolutely asinine. It is the stupidest thing in the rule book. And I argued with the designer about this for like two and a half hours one night saying, this is ridiculous. Why does your targeting work this way? But I don't, I'm just not going to teach it that way because, hey, there's no organized play. There's no support for this game outside of them promising to deliver everything to the backers in the next six months. Um, and which really disappoints me because I think this game could be very, very, very successful if it gets an organized play program, if it gets some tournament stuff, and if the company gets out of the 90s. Because this game is that good. It's just held back by what the company is doing. So there's there's my tiny little rant. That was two and a half minutes. Um, that's that little end on Car Wars. We will do a post-session <laughs> talk about it after Fletcher gets a chance to play it. And we'll do a post-credits um, in that week talking about it. All right. Anything else you guys want to add to Tabletop Miniatures games? Fletcher, are you more excited, less excited? Same um, excited? I am... I'm excited. I'm just apprehensive about spending a ton of money, but, uh, but I'm going to do it. 
I, I hope will... Carmen enjoys your bigger house that this is going to end <laughs> up necessitating. No, you see, I'm going to leave it at Chris's place. <laughs> and eventually... So I have to go there and then have someone to play, play with. Yeah, and eventually it'll go on the giveaway list. We'll see. Like, oops, I... Was that yours? Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I will, like, yeah. And I don't know what's in the starter box, but I will attempt to prep them for actual justified play. And Eric's just... Lots, lots of stuff is in that box. The box is not cheap. What's the starter box? Like 140 bucks or something like that? Uh, there's two. I think one's 140 or 150 and the other one's 99. <laughs> yeah. So it's... So it's, my starter box is not is not cheap. No. Especially when you can get into magic for like, you know, 20 bucks. That is... Like your starter deck. That is a gross lie. There's no getting into magic for 20 bucks. You get into magic, you're in for two grand. I'm just saying the starter thing because I think they still sell like a starter. Like, yeah, you can get a beginner. You can like, get a two person deck for like 20 bucks. Yeah, you can get a starter deck. But you don't get any plastic. It's all cardboard. Now, I do say if we're comparing magic with Warhammer, magic has potential of higher return on investment if you were to sell things later. Warhammer, I think, does a decent job at holding its value, but never goes up in value. Eric's sort of nodding, maybe. Um, it's it's not a big resale thing. I've seen you can buy entire collections on eBay for less than retail. Um because the rules are always changing and you know, so if you have the old stuff, if you don't have modern rules for the old stuff, it's whatever. But even if you do have the old models and you do have modern rules for the old models, they've been updated, so you could just buy the new models. So there's not a big collectible um aspect to the Warhammer stuff. All right, let's do our outro here, and then we will talk about um, our Call of Cthulhu game. And I'm just checking the date. Um, Is next week the last week of this month? Because if it is, we will be doing our drawing. And if it's not, we'll be doing the drawing the next time. Um, I'm getting nods that, yes, next week we will be doing our 2021 October drawing. And then we'll also do one in November. And then we'll do one kind of early-ish December. So the November-December stuff is just going to be a fire sale. Get rid of all the stuff that's left. <laughs> all right, Kitty, take us away. Tabletop Game Check is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in the show notes too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you would like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gift of Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Milner. Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Timothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Nicholas Lotz, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, John Williams, Sir Selly, Andrew Flyesh, Kamal Berth, Peter Fleming, Gary Bunker, Lightning Steve, Jim Conrad, Dan Seed, Ryan Ellett, Danita Hersey, Courtney Falk, David Wagoner, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, Ronald Roy, Tony Simpkins, David Garner, and Darren McClellan. And thank you to everyone who's ever been a patron, past, present, and future. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun.
All right. So Call of Cthulhu. Um, Kitty, I made you create characters. And you did. <laughs> what, what did I have you do? You had us, the players. No, I had you specifically you, you, do. <laughs> you had me turn us, the players, into us, the characters. So using the quick start rules for um, Call of Cthulhu, I did my best to um, match the stats of each of us as humans. Um, and... I was, I would think... To what you thought about us. (laughs) (laughs) I felt extremely judgy. I tried not to think too hard about it um, and keep it fun. And I would say I was mildly successful. (laughs) I I don't think anyone was offended. And that's that's great. That was Um, good enough for me. I didn't make anyone mad at me (laughs) (laughs) that I know of. There were actually a few comments no. highlighting the fact that you didn't do something that, like, it didn't highlight a negative aspect of of them that you're like, oh, I would have expected that to be more like this. And I'm like, eh, all right. Um, because it is tricky. It's really tricky to create, to basically say, here is your role-playing character, my friend, and this is how I see you. And I didn't want to do it. So I said, okay, Kitty, you need to do this because I don't want to do it. Yeah, and I still <laughs> want people to think I'm nice. Yes. Well, well, and Spencer it worked out will really- try to convince everyone that I am lawful evil, um, but you know, I, I, it I still so like Fletcher, to think of my lawful good nature. <laughs> what did you think? And summarize for our listeners uh, what happened. But what did you think in general about the scenario? Um, I thought the scenario was really fun, and the mechanics that we played anyway, um, that we got into, and everything we did. Are actually pretty easy and fairly straightforward, like much easier than uh, Dungeons and Dragons, what I'm used to. It's just all kind of like rolling percentage dice pretty much all the time for everything. Yeah, I'd say amongst um, the games I play, it falls into like a nice middle ground where it's a little bit more rules heavy than Vampire, but not nearly as tactical as D&D can get. Yeah, um, but I really liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun and uh, I definitely would be up to you know, playing some more uh, Call, of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu or, you know, the same genre, same system. So what did you think about the story hook, though? The story hook was really good. Um, do you you want me to summarize? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you want- yeah, there's, this, is, okay. this was purely my original thing. So um, there, you're not spoiling it for anybody. So the whole story hook was that we were going to sit down and play this game with our game master, Chris. And Chris asked us all to stand up. And then he said, okay, sit down. And, well, actually, I think while we were standing, he was like, everyone got transported ah. to this new room. Spencer! Oh, your, all your lights just turned off. <laughs> I thought, Spencer I thought said you were really upset to with how I was... De- <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were really upset with my description. <laughs> I was suddenly plunged into darkness, but then Spencer heard my screams and turned the lights back on. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> this is all post credit, so it stays in. <laughs> awesome. Um, so yes, Chris has to stand up, and then we all got transported to a different room. And Chris described the room that we were like now in, and then he told everyone to sit down, and he basically said, "Whatever you had on you when you stood up is what you have on you now in the actual game world." Um, and then we were slowly trying to unravel like what happened and, and, um, basically we were put in this room, we found out there's a dead guy and we found out that it's, you know, 1920s, a hundred years, like 1921, it was a hundred years earlier. 
and um, we had to unravel what happened and how we can go back to the future. <laughs> and I thought it worked out really well. You guys all like got into the, like the the spirit of it very very quickly. It's like oh yes. wait, and even like sometimes it's easy to especially when we had six players, it's easy to kind of tune things out and just let things go out in the background. People were engaged like right from the beginning, like, oh, wait, this is me. What's going on? And which got me really into character too. So, you know, having, being able to like act in multiple different NPC roles and questioning you as a police officer that doesn't have any Miranda rules or any kind of anything, 1920s police, you know, that kind of stuff was really fun to just kind of get into the spirit of it. And, and the character was easy to play because I was just playing myself. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's like, what would you do? It's like, well, what can I do on my sheet? It's like, don't worry about what the sheet is. You're there. Right. And that's another thing I did is like, so Kitty did the, the home, the base work. But I'm like, if there's something missing on your sheet, you all have 40 points that you can spend to boost whatever you want when you need to, to say, wait a minute, I am better at this than what my sheet says. So I'm going to do this thing. Um, I don't think most of you used that. There was like, two people that used it i did did you i i I dumped in uh the like 20 points into unarmed combat not because i'm actually good at unarmed combat um (laughs) but because we just needed someone in the in the game who could actually throw a punch i want to think that you would you would actually not be bad at unarmed combat in a situation where you have, like, in a high-stress situation. because I'm pretty good with a bow staff. Yeah, so well, the, the problem that I had with the quick start rules and trying to create, you know, like, a well-rounded human is it gives you, like, a certain, like, percentages you can add to each score. And some of the scores have, like, a base percentage there. So, like, the lowest I could add to something was 40%. And if you add that to the 20% that's already there, like, that brings you to above average at fighting. Whereas I think, like, well, some of us could have used, like, a 30 to 50%. So, you know, yeah. like I was I was tied in by limitations. So, yeah. Well, technically, when saying. you're doing the quick start rules, um, that number overrides the base value. It doesn't add to the base value. Ah, well, I was cheating. But ha. which is which is fine. It wasn't about getting all the rules right. And I did not get all the rules. right. I've never run this game before. I knew the basics and everything else was just making decisions in the moment to make it flow as as fun as possible. And without, I did not at any point want to reference the rules because we were all so engaged in what was going on. The rules did not matter to me as long as I was roughly close to the intent. And, and I, that's, that's the thing. I never, like, in a game like this, you don't want to break the, the, in, like, you just don't want to break character that often. Now we broke several times. Um, we had dinner, we had bath time, we had, I mean, I, all seven of us in a tub was a little awkward, but it worked um, for the kids. <laughs> like we had shower were, time. <laughs> you know, we broke to order dinner. We broke to eat dinner. So there was times where we broke, but when we came back into the game, we were all in the game. And I was gonna say I that while we really were well. at the table playing, we were at the table playing. There was no time where, like, you know, in D and D, we'll often like go off on a tangent for a while and then like have to come back into the game. Like, okay, none of that was what we actually said. Cause like, yep. like rewind, I'd- we were just being silly. Now we have to move forward. Like we just let it roll the whole time. And I, I everyone was taking it pretty seriously. And it, it was yep. fun. Well, and I said right up front, it's like everything you guys say and do from this point on is in game. Like I will assume the volume levels change depending on where you are, but you know, 
talking to each other, table talk, all of that stuff is in game. So people can overhear. And for the most part, you guys like, you know, did not have a lot of side conversations. I think there was only one that I remember and it was still very, very brief. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of nonsense going on towards the end. There was, but even then I could, I could call that in, in came in character. So just so people know, we had uh, four, four of the people at the table were Jewish and Doug whispers over <laughs> when he's talking to the Chicago in police. It's like, <laughs> in 1921, he's like, um, just so everyone knows we're not Jewish. And that, that became an ongoing thing. So, but I again, like it I, when the, <laughs> he, the, um, one of the henchmen was unarmed, and we all started making armless jokes, and that just went on. <laughs> yeah. He's armless. <laughs> that, that was like ten o'clock at night by that point, so it was we very were... late. We were almost done. <laughs> we, were, we were ready to finish. <laughs> but all right, well, it was it was fun. Uh, Kitty of ready now to has. <laughs> yeah, Kitty now has the Delta Green book, so she's going to run a modern uh, government ops. Cthulhu-esque game at some point in the future. And um, I think we might talk about everything you need to know about running your first game on our next role-playing episode. So this will be a kitty prep session, and that should be entertaining and informative to anyone who is thinking of running their first game, because Kitty has never run a game that I know of, and yep. it would be useful. All right. That's it. Um, everyone laugh. Ha ha ha. No? <laughs> So bad. <laughs>